First Liberty Live is in the nation's capital for the release of the Religious Liberty in the States Index. How did your state do? Hi, I'm Stuart Shepard and this is First Liberty Live. We are in Washington, D.C. I've got a view of the Jefferson Memorial out the window, which is cool. It's one of my favorite memorials Absolutely. out there. It's just awesome. I've got, uh, we, we just finished just moments ago with the official announcement of the Religious Liberty in the States Index. It is a listing of how religious liberty is doing in the states and ranks them from 1 to 50. And we're going to talk all about that, but first we're going to find out what it is and how it works and all that. I've got Dr. Sarah Estelle. She is a professor at Hope College in Michigan. It's in Holland, right? That's right. Yeah, and she's also the director of Religious Liberty in the States. And of course, Trey Dimsdale uh, works with me at First Liberty. He is the executive director of the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Trey. Hi. Hello. Thank you for making time for us today. Uh, first, Sarah, just tell us what this is. People haven't heard of it before. When, when they ask you to describe it in a nutshell, what do you say? I say that uh, Religious Liberty in the States is a comprehensive data set tracking the variety of safeguards that states are codifying in their laws uh, to allow more space for religious liberty. And from that, we are calculating rankings that are bringing up all sorts of surprising results and I think opportunities for states to see improvements. Yeah, I, I can imagine some skeptics would say, well, you probably already had in mind before you even started this what the outcome was going to be. That's not it, though. You had no idea where this was going to go. I was just as surprised by the results as I imagine many people will be, not in the sense that I even had preconceived ideas as much as I was in the depths of all this data to the extent where I couldn't even have ventured to guess what we were going to come up with. When we started this process, we didn't even know what we would be me measuring precisely. We allowed states to tell us where there are religious concerns within their uh, citizens and where they needed religious exemptions, for example. So even uh, the variety of data that we were going to track was not quite a surprise, but certainly part of the process that as it unfolded. So rather than start out with a list of laws and other things that you're going to look for, you just look to see what there was and went from there is what you're saying, right? Right, right. And with a topic as important to human flourishing as religious liberty, we want to be very careful about how we measure things. We want to be as objective as possible. We want to know the truth and then use that truth to further understand what can we do to undergird religious liberty as opposed to, for example, it might be tempting to think religious liberty matters. Let's make sure we get the right results. That's putting the cart before the horse and actually would undermine the credibility of a project like this. So give me an example or two of laws that states have in place that, that made the, that made, well, that undergird the ranking, that, that helped mm -hmm. you decide who's at the top and who's at the bottom? Sure. I mean, some of these are relatively mundane on the surface. Uh, do religious people have an alternative to voting in their polling place? Should they find themselves uh, with a religious holiday on election day? Uh, so we look at absentee voting laws and whether religion is allowed as an acceptable excuse for getting an absentee ballot. Yeah. Uh, some are more obviously related to religion and were intentionally, like um, Religious Freedom Restoration Acts, uh, which are available uh, in 23 states. One state actually has it in their constitution. And then we have a number of hot button issues. We didn't select them because they're hot button, but they're certainly uh, a topic of conversation and, and uh, part of many state statutes related to marriage and weddings and who um, has the right to refuse participation should a particular marriage go against the teachings of their faith uh, or health care provision. Um, can health care practitioners uh, refuse to participate 
and procedures that, again, go against their conscience. Trey, when you first envisioned this as a project, did you have any idea that would be the breadth of laws that you'd end up talking about? Well, religious liberty touches um, many, many areas of life. So it's, it's it, you know, and, and we've really just scratched the surface in this first version of the, of the index. Um, even in the process, I think Sarah would say that uh, we discovered all these areas we never really thought religious liberty would touch, but it, but it does. And uh, in, any, any, any area of life that people are involved in, they bring their, their most fundamental basic beliefs about reality and God and the meaning of life, um, there's a religious liberty component to it. Mm -hmm. And so there's still a lot to be done to expand the scope of this. It's, you know, this is why we're doing an annual index because it's the, it gives us an opportunity both to track changes over time, uh, but then also new areas of law that we, we uncover as we're, as we're doing the work. Let's talk about the ranking then. Uh, when I first heard about this, I kind of guessed, you know, who I thought would be at the top. I was wrong, <laughs> completely wrong. And, and notably, two states rose to the very top of the list by quite a margin compared yes. to all the other states. Let's talk about those two. Who's the number one? Number one is Mississippi having codified 82% of potential safeguards and those potential safeguards identified by their peers, right. other states, um, and Illinois, number two, with 81%, just narrowly edged out by Mississippi. Now, a skeptic like me will, will hear that and think, Illinois, I, I wouldn't expect them to be in a close second. This, this measures what's on the books, but not necessarily how it's enforced. Is that a fair thing to say? It is a fair thing to say. Um, enforcement uh, decisions in courts of law are not part of our index, which is accounting for the letter of the law and uh, primarily statutory law. However, I've been reminded by uh, folks with legal expertise at First Liberty that it's important what laws say. It's what gives legal standing in situations uh, that are um, uh, not up in the air, but you know where there are, are real risks uh, for minority religionists and the like when they step into a court of law. What do they have to stand on? And the letter of the law matters for that. One strength of this project, I think, is is not just that we ultimately give the rankings, but we give all the data behind it, including even hyperlinked citations to the location in state laws. So you can go read Illinois statutes and see the hard work they've done uh, to codify these safeguards. And because of the work we do at First Liberty, it's important for people to know if they find themselves, think they are in a position where they've been treated unfairly because of their faith, mm -hmm. that in Illinois, there is law that they can point to and say, Judge, take a look at this. Right, right. In many areas, that's true. Um, they have one of the most generous uh, healthcare conscience provisions. Uh, it applies not only to healthcare providers, but even health uh, insurance carriers. And so people that are involved in even paying for medical treatments in that part of the process are allowed to claim conscience concerns and uh, refuse participation. Um, and so especially healthcare providers should feel their liberties very safe in, in the state of Illinois. And we've got, we've got a, and Trey, I'll let you jump in in just a second. We've got a link to the entire ranking uh, that goes along with this video. You can also go to religiouslibertyinthestates.com and uh, we'll have that link for you as well so you can see that. Go ahead. So what I was going to say is, you know, with the, with the ordering that, that there may be some counterintuitive uh, ranking anomalies, or we might think that they're anomalies, but, but this is actually important to understand what is an index and what is this index before 
being surprised that Illinois is number two or West Virginia is number 49. This index is a snapshot of what's on the books as of December the 31st of last year. And we already know, um, especially in the wake of the Dobbs leak that happened earlier in 2022, that there were yeah. state legislatures that were rushing to change different things that are that are measured or, or, or reflected in this index. But this index doesn't necessarily, it doesn't purport to be sort of comprehensive and include the lived experience of religious people in these different places. So the lived experience of people of different faiths might even be different from state to state. This gives us a baseline of things that are measurable over the course of years um, so that so that we're able to have a, a place where we can get traction to be able to help improve the, the, the legal infrastructure that allows and creates the space that allows for religious people uh, to be able to, to live their lives in accordance with their, their most fundamental beliefs. And that's very helpful to understand what this is and, and what mm -hmm. it's all right. about. Now, he gave a bit of a hint there on, on one of the bottom three. Let's talk about the bottom three. I did better guessing those three. Okay. What, what okay. are they? Uh, California is 48th. Uh, then West Virginia and New York at number 50. At the very bottom of the list. But what, how far apart were they from the two that were at the top? I mean, how distant were they? Recall uh, Illinois and Mississippi, 81 and 82 percent. Uh, those bottom three each under 20 percent. Wow. Now let's uh, let's state something that even overall is, I think, also concerning, which is the vast majority of states do less than 50 percent of what they can uh, in the statutory law to safeguard religious liberty. And that's, I think, it points toward the answer to this question. Who is this survey for, Trey? Who are you hoping will take a look at this, and what do you hope they'll do with it? Well, there's a lot of groups. Um, first of all, we want it to be academically reputable so that academics, other, other people that do the type of work that Dr. Estelle does, will take it and use it and, and unravel it. Um, we're, dealing with, uh, we're dealing with state law across 50 different jurisdictions, and these are laws that have been passed at different periods in history. And legislatures are very complex things, and legislative histories are very complex things. And so it's really going to take, I mean, we can make guesses as to why Illinois is where it is, but um, it's going to take a political scientist, an expert in, in you know, even public policy as it pertains to Illinois itself to be able to unravel how it is that we got the results that we did. It's going to take somebody with the expertise in the jurisdiction of West Virginia to figure out why West Virginia is where it is and to make policy recommendations for it to go forward. So we need legitimate academics engaging with it to be able to answer all of these questions that are, that are just outside of the scope and the expertise of, of the people that we have working on it internally. We also want um, legal professionals to take, to take note of it. Um, this is, uh, you'd rather go to court with a law on your side than having to make an argument that's like an extrapolation from uh, laws that exist there. Uh, and so this provides, uh, you know, a, a complete data set for that right there. We want concerned citizens to be um, aware of what their rights are, what the rights are that have been carved out in state law. Uh, we want them to lobby their state legislatures to be able to see religious freedom move up. I mean, I think one of the things that, that is oftentimes very easy to get uh, you know, hung up on is the federal context for religious freedom. There's no question that that's 
important. You know, the, our, our recent Kennedy victory uh, protects every single American, uh, you know, with, with, with regard to overturning Lemon and, and then the precedent that that sets. But the states have a lot of wide latitude. And there's certain areas of the law that states um, are, are completely reserved, that there's no federal interference with. So, so there, there can be, in certain areas of the law, wide variation, as we've seen, uh, in the way that states will, will treat these areas. And so what we're ultimately hoping to be able to do is to sort of move the needle to maximize that legal space, the legal infrastructure that allows for religious people to to be able to exercise their religion, their, relig their religion freely. So you're looking down the road. What do you hope happens next? What are some practical ways you hope people apply this? Well, I hope that there are state legislators in these various states, most of these states that aren't doing well, uh, will take note of where their citizens are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that we will see over the course of the next several years uh, moving up in the index ranks, rankings being a, a legislative priority. Um, we hope that individual citizens that are in places where they may not feel that they have uh, as much, they may not feel sort of the, 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 the freedom to live out their lives because of cultural pressure, yeah. that they'll recognize that the law actually does carve out very specific rights for them, that they, they, have, they have a right to assert uh, you know, in court if necessary, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. So that, those are the those are the good things that we hope that we hope will ultimately come from this. Now, the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy is an initiative of First Liberty Institute. How does this index fit into the the overarching work that First Liberty Institute does? How do they go sure. together? So we take the position that religion is absolutely necessary for the cultivation and the maintenance of civilization. Just, and uh, it, religion provides uh, the moral vocabulary from which a culture emerges and from the right type of culture you have the institutions of democracy um, that emerge. So in a nutshell, you know, religious freedom is the conduit that allows for religious people and institutions and convictions to, to enter into the public square. So that makes it important to us to be able to understand the actual state of religious freedom uh, across the board. And it's not just the federal context. We have to take into account um, the, the laws under which uh, citizens live in, in each of the 50 states. And so what we're, what we're hoping to be able to do is to accomplish those things I just I mentioned a moment ago, but for the purpose of being able to maintain democracy and to, uh, to be able to maintain a constitutional order um, that, that has historically valued religious freedom, but most importantly must value religion because ultimately a person's religious faith isn't simply are they an observant Christian, are they an observant Jew. It, 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 a person's religious, uh, a religious orientation is the way that they answer the most fundamental questions about life. And the way that you understand reality affects the way that you vote. It, expects, it impacts the way that you raise your children. It impacts the way that you spend your money. And uh, we need for all of our citizens to be able to enter into the public square without having to restrain or refrain or leave back a part or even the most fundamental part of who they are in order to be able to, to participate in public life with, with, with all of the, uh, as, as, as first class citizens. Yeah. I, I appreciate the fact that you saw the vision, had the vision 
to make this happen, and I appreciate all the hard work that you put into this and want to thank you for that. Is there anybody else you'd like to thank as we're wrapping up here? Oh, so many people. Uh, I think the, the vision of the, the leaders at, at First Liberty and the academic freedom that they've granted to this project have uh, just been so uh, crucial. Uh, Trey and Jordan Baller, uh, who directs the, the research uh, of the CRCD. My research assistant, Cameron Zeller, uh, I have to give her a shout out every opportunity. She teaches fifth grade in a school in Arlington, Texas, and on weekends and breaks, she's been working with me on this data and just invaluable help. I'm sure I'm forgetting so many others. Our web designers, Brilliant WebWorks, they gave us a great website that I hope everyone will take a look at and really enjoy the, the interaction with that. Um, it's been a big project, so it's great to see it come to fruition. Well, thank you and for we all add, the work you've done. I think we can add yeah. Hope College that has been very, very it's true. Uh, thank you. Um, accommodating to us. You know, our demands on our time to be able to get this done, and and also. Uh, Aaron Estelle has been very accommodating for, uh, you know, for, for helping us to, to be able to use your time wisely to get this done. So. All right. Anything else before I let you go? I don't think so. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You wrapped it up well. It was great talking to you. As I mentioned, we're going to put links to all that in the text that goes along with this video. Uh, you want to go first to religiouslibertyinthestates.com, and that's where you'll find everything, including the ranking to see how your state did. So again, it's religiouslibertyinthestates.com. Uh, first Liberty Institute, your last line of defense and your greatest hope for victory.